Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. This is Gun Owners News Hour. You know, when it comes to limiting your freedom, the gun controllers are very, they're very ceaseless innovators. They come up with these new and bizarre policies to undermine the Second Amendment right of a law-abiding American. Now, the Supreme Court decision and New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin poses a serious problem for these gun control pioneers in striking down their discretionary carry permitting regime. The court emphasized the proper test by which gun control measures should be judged against the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And Clarence Thomas made it clear that in order for a firearm regulation to pass constitutional muster, it must fit within the text, history, and tradition of the Second Amendment right. Specifically, the opinion noted, when the Second Amendment's plain text covers an individual's conduct, the Constitution presumptively protects that conduct. The government must then justify its regulation by demonstrating that it is consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. Only then may a court conclude that the individual's conduct falls outside the Second Amendment's unqualified command. Well... That sort of precludes many gun control advocates' favorite policies, and it should certainly preclude gun control policies that gun control advocates and anti-gun politicians have explicitly admitted are innovative. (laughs) To take a somewhat Antonin Scalia-like approach to the matter, Miriam Wester defines innovative as characterized by tending to or introducing innovation. Innovations, as defined as, one, a new idea, method or device, novelty, to the introduction of something new. So any innovative gun control measure would then be something that is foreign to the historical tradition of firearm regulation. And thus, it would be prohibited under the Second Amendment. Take, if you will, the red flag order, the the ERPO, the Extreme Risk Protection Order, the Gun Violence Restraining Order, or let's just call it the due process elimination order. Uh, 
These empower the government to extinguish your Second Amendment rights and confiscate your weapons without due process and without you having committed a crime. Prior to Bruin, the red flag backers were eager to stress the innovative quality of this gun control measure. In 2019, Gifford's former managing director, Robin Lloyd, described state red flag laws as innovative policy solutions. And they really like that word, innovative. They, they stress that this is a manner of gun control that is innovative. And in 2014, while pushing California's red flag law, term to gun violence restraining order in the not-so-golden state, every town for gun safety put out a press release titled, Moms Demand Action Urges Passage of Innovative Gun Violence Prevention Bill. Now, in light of Bruin, February 2nd decision and the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit invalidated a federal, federal firearms prohibition that is based on a mere civil order. And it explained, the distinction between a criminal and civil proceeding is important because criminal proceedings have afforded the accused substantial protection throughout our nation's history. In crafting the Bill of Rights, the founders were plainly attuned to preservation of those protections. It is therefore that's it is therefore significant that 922G8 works to eliminate the Second Amendment right of individuals subject merely to civil process. So, by this logic, red flag, red flag gun confiscation schemes would be found similarly unconstitutional, although no less innovative. Then. There's another gun control measure out there. In, in, in January of 2022, San Jose, California, enacted an ordinance requiring gun owners to maintain liability insurance in order to exercise their Second Amendment right. Which, as far as I know, nobody actually writes that. Admitting the novel nature of the gun control, the city of San Jose posted two testimonials from gun control activists describing the innovative quality of the measure in its government one's website. And one testimonial quoted by Everytown Shannon Squeaky Watts as stating, Our grassroots volunteers have been proud to work hand-in-hand with the mayor, city council, and to uh, work uh, and community partners to help get this innovative package of gun safety laws crafted and across the finish line. And in another, a gun control advocate explained, This ordinance is an innovative approach to address the costs of gun violence. A January 24, 2022 press release from the city titled San Jose poised to become the first city in the nation to require gun liability insurance and investment by gun owners in violence reduction. And it stressed the unconventional and innovative nature of the city's policy. And it also included a statement from Gifford's senior counsel and director of local policy, Allison Anderman, who remarked, we applaud Mayor Licardo and the city of San Jose for continuing to search for novel and innovative ways to prevent gun violence in the community and to redress its harms. And the mayor of San Jose boasted about how the bizarre insurance scheme was innovative in a June 8, 2021 tweet. Now, in the case of California, gun owners should question just how much of the state's convoluted gun control regime is outside the nation's historical tradition. According to the gun control advocates, not me, but according to the gun control advocates, it's quite a bit. The California-based organization now named Giffords began in 1993 under the name Legal Community Against Violence. 
and they appear to acknowledge that much of the Byzantine firearm regime they have helped enact in the last three decades broke new ground. It was quite innovative. And their materials state that California has been a trailblazer for gun safety reform for the past 30 years. Their own organizational history states that in California, the group assisted in drafting and passing innovative laws that served as a model for other states. There is evidence that some California gun controllers may be ever so slowly catching on to their new reality. Now, Schwarzenegger signed legislation requiring new models of handguns to have micro-stamping once the technology was available. And at that time, the Brady campaign praised them for embracing this innovative technology. And the theory behind micro-stamping is that firearms could be equipped with a firing pin or other internal firearm part that could imprint unique microscopic identification marks onto ammunition cartridge cages when the gun was fired. I don't know how long that was going to last. They didn't either. They didn't explain it. They just had to have it when it was new. And it doesn't really survive in a real-world application. On May 17, 2013, the California Department of Justice, under then-California Attorney General Kamala Harris, certified that the technology was available and started enforcing the novel firearms prohibition. And in order for a handgun to be sold in California, it must be included in the state's roster of handguns that meet certain criteria, including micro-stamping technology. Since the micro-stamping requirement was certified in 2013, no new models of handguns have been added to the roster. That means in California, they have nothing, nothing new since 2013. It's a little bit like the Hughes Amendment for California. <clears throat> in March... There was a preliminary injunction against the California Unsafe Handgun uh, Act and explained the government has failed to proffer any historical regulation and analogous to the UHA's requirements. Plaintiffs have shown they are likely to succeed on the merits of their claim that these requirements are unconstitutional. So now, Attorney General, now Rob, Rob Bonta, defended the handgun roster regime by filing a notice of appeal in the case and sought to stay the preliminary injunction pending the appeal. While defending it, it did explain the motion does not seek to immediately stop the part of the court's decision in joining the micro-stamping requirement. So it seems that trying to defend a largely theoretical new technology is somehow in concert with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. That might have been too ludicrous to actually consider, even for an anti-gun partisan like Bonta. And the outcome certainly doesn't bode well for those seeking to mandate, mandate the smart gun. Without a doubt. But gun control advocates own admission, so much of what they seek to burden law-abiding gun owners with is innovative. Which means it's unconstitutional. We'll be right back. This is Gun Owners News Hour. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is Gun Owners News Hour. As I slap my mic cord, you can hear that, can't you? I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Um, right now in South Carolina, they are considering uh, what is referred to as constitutional carry, which I actually refer to as permitless carry. And there's going to be a lot of talk about murders across the nation. And, and you know, as far as murders across the nation, when you look at murders across the nation, you get these these numbers and if you look at it based on the states, the first thing you would think would be, well, apparently this constitutional carry thing doesn't work. But you have to understand that the numbers that you see out there on a lot of these things, when you start talking per 100,000, that's all going to be based on population. In a state with very little population, like my state, as of 2021, have five, had 5.1 million people in it. So... A few murders in there takes that and makes that begin to spike. So when you're looking at it state by state, you could, you know, the, the argument could be back. It, even though on the average, the, uh, the, the actual gun murder per 100,000 in constitutional carry states is lower than it is in the other states. The case could be made, we're looking at the raw numbers of the state in certain cases, that uh, it doesn't really do anything. Except that it does, because then when you start to close in and look at where the murders are occurring, you realize it's in a very small geographical area. It's actually quite geographically concentrated. There's more than 3,000 counties in the country, and 52% had zero murders in 2020. And the 31 counties with the highest murder rates, the worst 1%, had 42% of the nation's murders. If you expand the focus to the worst 2%, 62 counties, and these accounted for more than half, 56% of U.S. murders in 2020. And John Lott concludes, looking at this, that murder isn't a nationwide problem. It's a problem in a small set of urban areas. 
Well, then you get, then of course the question has to be asked about gun violence and all of that inflammatory record uh, uh, rhetoric there. And he took into account rates of firearm ownership and found an inverse relationship between the prevalence of murder and rates of gun ownership. And uh, he, he states, according to a 2021 Pew Research Center survey, the household gun ownership rate in rural areas was 79% higher than in urban areas. And suburban households that are 37% more likely to own guns than urban households. And despite lower gun ownership, urban areas experience more higher murder rates. So there, there goes that. That goes straight out the window. And what do we know about the correlation between politics and crime? And the five U.S. Cap cities with the highest per capita murder rates are St. Louis, 69.4, Baltimore, 51.1, New Orleans, 40.6, Detroit, 39.7, and Cleveland, 33.7. In the 2020 presidential election, Joe Biden got 82% of the vote in St. Louis, 87% in Baltimore, 83% in New Orleans, 94% in Detroit, and 80% in Cleveland. So, in other words, the most dangerous cities in America are all Democrat Party strongholds. And you can find this. But you would probably have no idea if you just look at mainstream media. And that's that's where the, the, the issue comes for us with the low-info voters that are out there. And that's what they see. That's all they see is the mainstream media. They, op- they, they seem to, to work like a cartel, doing everything in their power to prevent you from learning the truth about crime in America. Now, consider the simple matter of what counts as a crime story of national interest. The cartel media love to go into the 24-7 coverage mode on mass shootings, but are notably selective in their choices as to which ones deserve such attention. Like the mass shooting in Philadelphia. One person was killed, four others wounded in an incident in which more than 50 shots were fired in a garage in the city's Kensington neighborhood. This was the 84th mass shooting in Philadelphia since 2020. But how many of those mass shootings got so much as one word of coverage in CNN? Pretty close to zero. And the fact that Philadelphia has had more than 500 homicides in each of the past two years. In my state in 2021, we had 566 homicides statewide. Statewide. And there you you, you start to see the enormity of what these cities do and how they skew the, 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 the stats. And uh, the other media cartels just ignore this. You know, the fact that Philadelphia is actually called Philadelphia doesn't help advance the preferred political narrative. And most of the facts about crime in America don't fit that narrative. In 2021, there were about 23,000 homicides in the country. And based on uh, FBI data from 2019, about 54% of the murder victims are black people, most of whom are killed by other black people. This is gang violence. It is impossible to discuss violent crime in America without acknowledging that at least half of it involves gang members, both as victims and perpetrators, very much overrepresented in the the sampling because they only make up 14% of the U.S. population. And the national media doesn't want to discuss that for reasons that are fundamentally political. Because 
they would have to then be confronted with the fact that the reason this happens in these inner cities is what is happening. You can see it right now happening across the country. Walmart is closing stores in all of these crime-ridden areas. In San Francisco, they have closed the Nike outlet. They've closed Walmart, and so now they've closed the Whole Foods. And these are going to all, all of these closings create a chasm economically where they are because they 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 employ people. And then there's a small little ecosystem of other people that supply them with their needs as for their day to day. There's deliveries coming in. There's packaging. You know, if it's if it's grocery store like Walmart or or Whole Foods, you have route men coming in to stock on the shelves with the stuff that they don't actually make or stock themselves. It's a very much an ecosystem out there that just becomes it just goes away, and that creates an employment deficit, an employment desert, if you will. And then you have a bunch of young people walking around looking for something. They already, you know, in in these big cities, you hope that they have both parents, but if they don't, where are they going to turn? They can't go get a job. Where are they going to turn? What are they going to do? This is the thing that these guys don't want to talk about. But it is the way it is. So um, just remember that part of it. Homicide and and this kind of crime, very geographically concentrated. Very geographically concentrated. 62% of the counties, or excuse me, 62 counties in the United States make up for 54% of the homicide victims in the United States today. That's a very stark statistic. We'll be right back. This is Gun Owners News Hour. Welcome back. This is Gun Owners News Hour. We, we've seen uh, recently uh, two rampage killings with some mentally ill young people. These things seem to happen in clusters where we'll go for months with relative quiet only to see a number of shootings in fairly quick succession. And a lot there, there's a lot of reasons for that. And these incidents always spark a debate. And we simply have to find some way to address the problem. Thing is, we already kind of had a plan on this one, and it's one that doesn't require us to trip over ourselves with some new law. All it takes is for people to decide to do something. Now, what the media does is exactly opposite of what we should be doing. Both sides... And, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to say that my rhetoric is cheap, but both of, you know, when I'm coming out, I, I'm coming out of this and I'm always looking for the common denominator. Which in most cases is going to be mental illness. And drugs. We know that the rampage killers 
are often directly seeking media infamy. And this is where I differ with, from some of these guys on this stuff because I look at this and I'm like, well, they're dead. They're not achieving. They're not around. They're not conscious of the fact that they have achieved their media infamy. But some people, a lot of people disagree with me, like uh, New Mexico University psychologist Jennifer B. Johnston. She has found in her research that mass shooters tend to be in the midst of rampant depression, social isolation, and pathological narcissism, and they are in part driven to such heinous crime by their desire for national attention. And these things get wall-to-wall coverage, but see, what we're asking here, what we're asking to do is we're asking the drive-by media to stop sensationalizing that, and that's just not going to happen. And I'm not going to sit back and let a bunch of people get out there and say, well, you shouldn't mention their name. They're the ones at fault. They're the blame. We get out there all the time. A lot of guys on my side, they'll get out there and say, well, ultimately the responsibility, like if I have a negligent discharge or if I do something with this stupid with a gun, guess whose fault it is? It's mine. And everybody, nobody, nobody takes a moment to sit back and go, well, we shouldn't call him out on it because ultimately I am responsible. That works Always, that works in every facet of this. Now, when this happens, the drive-by left, as they're coming at you, what they're trying to do is they're trying to disarm you, and at the same time, they're trying to denigrate you. And at the same time, in order to do this, they're going to raise the shooter up and show you all of the human side of the shooter. And I've had this discussion many times, and this is one I will never agree with some of these people on. I do not look at it, you know, if somebody's out there, if they, they could have been a humanitarian their entire life, and if the last thing they do is shoot down a bunch of children on their way out the door as they kill themselves, that was all, none of, none of that matters to me anymore. All I do is remember their last thing. I, they, they, there's no way to humanize them because in the end, we find out that they're a monster. Now, Dr. Johnston said, we find that a cross-cutting trait among many profiles of mass shooters is a desire for fame and correspondence to the emergence of widespread 24-hour news coverage on cable news programs and the rise of the Internet. If the mass media and social media enthusiasts make a pact to no longer share, reproduce, or retweet the names, faces, detailed histories, or long-winded statements of killers, we could see a dramatic reduction in mass shootings in one to two years. Well, good luck with that. That doesn't fit the narrative, Doc. I'm sorry. And the problem is, I'm not going to, you know, everybody sits out there and goes, well, you know, if we answer it this way and all that, that way and that way, we should just let them have the, you know, just let them, it, it'll go away in a minute. You no, know, no. When these things occur, when they come out and they say, well, the AR-15 is the gun of choice among rampage shooters, that gets out there. And if there's no pushback on that, and if there's no pushback on the fact that, uh, you know, we're talking about mentally ill people and, and, and the various details that lead up to this, the, the, these, these rampage killings that are 
obvious red flags to anybody that might be observing them, but most of the time they just get ignored. Um, if we're not going to do that, if we're not going to, as, as advocates for the Second Amendment, if we're not going to do it, then why are we, why do we bother? Why, why do we even show up? Now, after Nashville and Louisville, I've seen all these puff pieces describing the shooters. They tell you where they went to school, all the positive sentiments about them, and everything else you would expect to see in a report on a new celebrity. And their names get thrown around by the media with reckless abandon. And even in death, they become celebrities of a sort. And for the suicidal narcissist, this is nectar to see this. Now, me, myself, and I, like with Audrey Hale. Audrey Hale was not a transgender because there's no such thing as a transgender. She was a mus, a made-up sexual status. She was mentally ill. They decided to compound that by uh, getting out there and giving her some hormones and some other drugs to help her begin to transition to be Aiden when she was never going to be Aiden. She felt isolated. She felt suicidal. She let her friends know that she was going to do something. And then she went out and did it and she killed three beautiful children and three courageous adults. And for that, she is a monster. And right now, She's turning around, turning over and over and over and over in hell because she is a monster. She may be a celebrity based upon what the media is trying to do, but the reality is very stark. This other guy, uh, Connor Sturgeon, this guy, we're going to probably find out he had CTE because he'd had so many brain concussions, he had to play basketball with a headgear on. But when you reward behavior, you get more of it. Whether it's a dog or a kid or a grown adult, the truth is that if you give someone what they're seeking, if, they, if they're doing something, then they're going to do more of that. And that is basic psychology. And some of these rampage killers look at that, and that's a cue. They see it simply as a cue. They want to show the world. And then the media gives them exactly what they want. And no one is saying not to report on this, they say. But yes, you are. You're absolutely saying not to report on this. We need to look at the details. We need to pull it apart. We have to have to do we have to do an after action review. We need to actually take action and stop some of these. Now the one in uh, Louisville, I don't know exactly what the answer would be to that. Well, I know what the answer would be to that, but nobody's going to do that. And a lot of that probably occurred due to a lack of awareness. And spatial awareness is everything when one of these things begin. So, we're going to have to say their name. Because they're the ones twisting in hell. Because they are the ones that committed the atrocity. They're not celebrities. They're not, you know, I know they put Che Guevara on a t-shirt. But that guy was, he was an aberration of society. We cannot let this, these incidents fall into obscurity because we have to learn from them. We don't need laws to do this, but just expect the media to continue this, this route. And uh, that's all there is. That's all there is because the media is well. All of the media is in these counties that John Lott mentions where they have the most crime. 
think about that. We'll be right back. This is Gun Owners News Hour. is gun owners news hour one of the way the one of the ways that the left plies their trade is language they steal the language they redefine the language and then it perpetuates itself and uh what i find most amusing of all out there is that all of the left seems to be wanting to go after fox news for whatever reason and then all of us sit up there and go oh well fox news must be good but fox news is no good at certain things at all when, when, a, when we have a rampage killing, Fox News falls in line with CNN or MSNBC. For seven years, Fox News has been citing fake mass shooting data from the Gun Violence Archive, an anti-gun nonprofit that has been debunked many times in their digital and broadcast news stories. And the reason is simple. The GVA inflates the body count, sometimes by more than 1,000%, so its overblown data has become a catnip for the fake stream media, which is constantly seeking more sensational headlines and news stories. Because the sad fact for that particular business is that what was sensational yesterday is ho-hum today. So we have to be more sensational. So how do they uh, get their inflated numbers at the GVA? Well, they created their own definition of a rampage killing or a mass shooting, as they call it. And when most Americans hear the term, they picture a madman stalking the halls of a school or a shopping mall Coldly murdering innocent victims. That is what comes to mind with me. That is the classic rampage killer. What does not come to mind are the rival drug crews shooting it out in Chicago or a deranged husband murdering his entire family or a law-abiding gun owner acting in self-defense. Yet for the GVA, anytime four or more people are killed or even slightly wounded with a gun, it's labeled a mass shooting. So, according to the FBI... There were 30 mass shootings in 2019. The GVA claims there were 417. (laughs) More than one every day. Despite the obvious bad math, the legacy media politicians and the gun ban industry treat this as gospel. The Biden-Harris administration, the New York Times, National Public Radio, USA Today, The Trace, and all kinds of other outlets all cite their fictitious data and use their broadly or their, excuse me, their overly broad definition when reporting about a mass shooting. And they use questionable sources. In a 2021 interview with the Second Amendment Foundation's investigative journalism project, Mark Bryant, a retired computer analyst and GVA's executive director, admitted his researchers gathered data from law enforcement Facebook and Twitter pages, as well as media accounts, even though the media is notorious for getting the facts wrong after a mass shooting. And despite these bad sources and bad math, Fox News continues to cite their stories, and most recently after the shooting in Louisville, Kentucky. 
Bryant founded the Gun Violence Archive in 2013. Fox News began to cite that as a as a source. So, you know, 2016, they used information collected. 2016, 2017, according to the according to data compiled by, you know, all of this stuff. Now, both Trace Gallagher and Fox News anchor chief breaking news correspondent and Brett Baer, chief political anchor and executive editor of Special Report, have cited GVA data recently in news stories. If you tried to reach out to Twitter to both of them, Neither of them respond. Neither Irene Briganti, Senior Executive Vice President, Corporate Communications, Fox News Media, nor Porter Berry, Executive Vice President and Editor-in-Chief of Fox News Digital, responded to emails to get their comments. Now, when I get up in the morning, the first website I surf to to see what's going on in the world is Fox News. I check it throughout the day. I check the website at least hourly. And I do like the snippets of Tucker Carlson or, or Greg Gutfield, who is, uh, well, he's, he's, just, he's just funny as hell. And still, what Fox News is doing is dead wrong. They're aiding and abetting the gun banners by repeating cited overblown mass shooting data, which can lead the uninformed into believing that gun violence, which is another term they should stop using, is far worse than it really is. Now, see, Fox is in a unique position. While CNN and all these other guys, they're, they're just, um, they're sucking wind. Fox is the most watched cable news network in the country. Millions of people go to their website. Millions of people go to their programming. They could be the real game changer in society today if they would start telling the truth rather than promulgating known lies. If they really wanted to do a bombshell story, what they should do is look at what they've been doing and go out there, (laughs) look at this GVA data, investigate how it's actually compiled, and then get out there and issue a very solemn apology to everybody that has listened to them over over the past six, seven years. Because it's all based on specious information. Drug shootings are not the same as the Covenant school shooting or the Parkland school shooting or Virginia Tech or, you know, Newtown. They're not the same. Drug, as a matter of fact, as far as gun violence is concerned, which is their term, as far as that kind of violence is concerned, or any kind of violence for that matter, 82% occurs due to a drug deal. So if you're not a drug user, you're probability of having something violent happening to you is probably pretty low. But then again, if you live in one of those cities that I cited, one of those 62 counties where half of all this happens, uh, there is a risk. There is a risk. Now, the, the one thing to consider about all of this in these cities and states where they are pushing, where they already have uh, permitless carry or where they are pushing it or where they're considering it or where it's about to come up, 
that is a very, if you were to see this happen in New York State, things would change. If you were to see it happen in California, those things would change. Because the specter of the armed citizen then rises up, which is the thing the criminals fear the most. It's not that hard of a lift to consider. And it's for that reason that all of these states that have this, I like it because that means within the state, then a criminal has to worry about a armed citizen because now there is no prohibition about them carrying a gun on themselves. They don't have to call somebody to respond to a crime. The other thing about people that defend themselves with a weapon, we have a lower, lower bar to meet in order to go lethal, if that's what it takes. And they know that. I have no duty at all to get out there and defend anybody else that I don't want to. I also have no duty to retreat. I have no duty to warn. Somebody comes up and I'm making an assessment and I'm looking at something and it's disparity of force. Things are about to get noisy. I sure I don't want it to. But that's the problem. The, the kind of crime that most people are worried about is the kind of crime that I worry about, which is the I'm not bothering nobody kind of crime, where I'm just walking around being, you know, going about my day, and some guy comes up and he wants to do something. He is not worth shooting if all he wants is material goods. And he can have them. But bodily harm is not allowed my truck i can replace not worried about that other things i can't so for that for that reason for that that that's why i carry a gun and i you know i've done what i had to do in the state that i live in in order to carry a gun and very shortly maybe we'll have constitutional carry and then everybody that doesn't want to do it for whatever reason can then do it, although I do it so that I can carry outside of the state in states that have reciprocity with my state. But once again, Fox, the thing about Fox, remember this about Fox. Fox is a bunch of Northeastern, quote, conservatives, end quote. I will be back among you next week, next weekend, as a matter of fact. And between now and then, I tell you this very solemnly carry your gun everywhere you can carry your concealed weapon everywhere you can stay awake spatial awareness stay aware this has been gun owners news hour T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.